You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, non-stop Viking stop. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Let me give this last one right here. All right, when you, take, when you play quarterback in this league, every now and again, all right, it's one of those nights, and it just happened to be against one of the best defense in the league. O-line doing their thing. We got off the run game going. But when we needed this guy over and over again, he would not be denied. On Monday Night Football. Yeah. Never a doubt. Never a doubt. Get the flag. Wave it. Wave the flag, John. That's very that's not enthusiastic. That's not enthusiastic wave. You're, you're muted. You're muted. You're muted. We can't what hear you. Doing, guys? It's victory Tuesday. Because, the mic, because the flag hits the microphone, if I wave it. Oh, now you're That's aware. That's why with this new mic, it stands too close. So I got to do this. I got to get way back here. Okay. We just, we enjoy the commentary, the Judd commentary while waving the, the old, flag. The, the one good thing the old mic had is it stood straight up. So the flag wouldn't hit it. This one, it actually hit. So if I don't mute, all you hear is. I can give you an, an example. Is this? That's what you hear. That's a little soft. This is why the technical direction from this end is so spectacular this morning because I knew to yeah. wave the flag and not well, mute it and mute wow. it. You man, mm-hmm. just always a step ahead. Mm-hmm. Always exactly a step ahead. right. Always thinking. Except for wanting the Vikings to trade all their pieces. Yeah, I've I've Mm. always stood by this team. Yeah, you were. You you owe an apology to the the American public today for all of the Vikings slander. I'm ready to apologize. Um, So this is uh, is our day after Vikings game live stream here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel presented by Quick Trip. And uh, also our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated is going to help power our hottest Vikings takes. I'm very curious to see what you guys come up with. Chef Judd has a pie chart of praise. Thank you for uh, hanging out with us late last night as well for Vikings Ventline. It was very festive. And I don't think anyone really, like, people didn't, like, get their hopes up too much for that game. So it was a nice, unexpected surprise. And now things are very different in Vikingsville today. And we're going to talk about it over a couple different episodes. But a shout-out to our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. They've been around for over 100 years, 1904 to be exact. Helping businesses like a great offensive line, which we saw last night at U.S. Bank Stadium. Maybe the best offensive line performance uh, of the season. Maybe of Kevin O'Connell's career so far. Nice to have that if you're Kirk Cousins too. Federatedinsurance.com where you can find out how you can elevate your business through risk management and just have a great partner that knows how to stand by you. Federated where it's our business to protect yours. Who wants the first hot take? I do. I want right. it. Ooh, okay. I want it. Okay. I want the first Here it is. After that KOC clip, too. So this will dovetail perfectly into it. My hot if take. This is a Greg Joseph take. We riot. Nope, no Greg Joseph. Although, okay. you know, if you don't make some of those field goals, it's a completely different game, actually. Uh, anyway, uh, the die hot take is this. This was single-handedly 
the best game of Kirk Cousins' career, and it's not even close. Whoa. Not even close. Number one. So including Washington, Mm -hmm. all six years as Vikings quarterback. All six years. High school? High school, college, the Saints game, the dagger from Thielen. This was the best game of Kirk Cousins' career. 35 of 45 passing. 378 yards, 8.4 yards per attempt, a QBR of 80. Nice try, Judd. Uh, He didn't do this against the Panthers at noon on a Sunday. He did this. Yeah, it's true. Against the number one defense in the NFL and having to stare, by the way, at at Nick Bosa, excuse me, Jason Hargrove, Fred Warner, a litany of great players on defense, and without the best receiver in the NFL, a lack of a true number one running back, and Kirko changed delivered the dagger after dagger, throw after throw. He was fantastic. He throws a pick on the third pass of the game. And what does he go out and do? He balls out, puts up absurd numbers. On third down yesterday, Kirk Cousins was 9 of 12, 182 yards, two touchdowns, a pass rating that was nearly perfect at 156.3. In his last eight primetime games, Kirk Cousins and the Vikings are 5 and 3. Only twice in NFL history. Have the, has a quarterback completed 35 completions, 75% of his uh, completion percentage, thrown a 60-yard touchdown and taken zero sacks. The first is Kirk Cousins. You know who the other quarterback oh God, is that has ever done that before? Give us a hint. He wears number eight. Hmm, I'm really bad with numbers. Actually. Aaron Rodgers now with the Jets? No, the only other quarterback to do that is also Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins oh, is the only quarterback who has ever done it. Who's ever done it. You like it. that. You like that. I just said that we liked it. Wow, dude. So this was single-handedly the best game of Kirk Cousins' career, and it's not even close. You know, when you, obviously, if you were to just box score hunt, and you, you could find some 400-yard games from him, and you could you could find some four-touchdown games, and three, right? You could find, like, a 4-10, three-touchdown. There's some stuff like that in his career box score-wise. I haven't thought much about this take yet because this is Declan is springing this on us. But considering seasons on the line, maybe playing the best team in the NFL, you're playing Monday Night Football, which has traditionally been a bugaboo for Kirk, mm-hmm. and you're without Justin Jefferson, the best wide receiver in the NFL. And you start the game, like, even with all of it, we're not looking for perfection here. We're looking for how do you respond through adversity? It's, for Kirk, it's never been, how does he perform when conditions are perfect? Which is an unattainable, it's like, a, it's like a, you know, the, the, the greyhound races where they're chasing the rabbit, right? Like, you're never going to catch the, there's no such thing as perfection over the course of 17. When things get muddy, when you're facing a defense that punches you, when your season's on the line, right? Like, how do you respond? Mm-hmm. So with all of that context... Kind of love this hot take from Dex, dude. This it was a great performance, flaws and all from like inter- that interception at the beginning. You know, wasn't the perfectly thrown ball, but he responded right back and just slung it around the lot for three hours. Major credit. I'm trying to think. I like I could think of performances that I think rival this for sure. Um, the fact, you know what. The fact is, and again, let's point this out, too, because I feel like this should be hammered home all day. Uh, Kirk had a great game. His offensive line, though, look at the lack of pressure. De- Declan went through a list of guys who basically didn't get pressure. 
Like yeah. he wasn't he wasn't avoiding them. He wasn't under duress at all. Um, the game that comes to mind that I think in in the last two years that it just really stands out to me is, and I'm sure the stats weren't the same at all, but the Buffalo game, what he did in Buffalo when he was being pressured and hit consistently. Um, and I know that Jefferson made the incredible catch, but he still threw that, that ball. And that was a very unkirk throw. Uh, so I think there are definitely games that rival this, but for Kirk to respond, I do agree with, I mean, he was fantastic, but you know, keep in mind, that Niners defense can get some pressure and they basically were, were held at bay by an offensive line that we have crapped of. If people think we've crapped on Kirk, ladies and gentlemen, I got news for you. We've spent the last, how long, Phil, four years longer going after this line. Oh, absolutely. Five years. I like, like, but like they've, you can, but they've deserved. It's not like we're picking on them. Like, they, no, but I'm no, but, but, but I'm saying it's my opinion that we pick on people that deserve it or groups, right? Like we pick on Kirk. People are like, well, you can't pick on Kirk. Look at this. Well, no, actually, if he doesn't play well, or if he doesn't do what we think he should, then, then we pick on him. But if he plays well, then we're all like, okay, that was great. The offensive line we have rightfully so picked on. But when but but there's still this perception they're not that good and they are one of the best right now in the NFL. You know, uh, under pressure last night, so I don't want to spoil too much of the PFF data because we will do a second episode later this morning and put it out for you guys where Judd guesses the PFF grades, which is one of our uh, more fun segments of the week. But I'll give you one nugget from the PFF grades. So Kirk when pressured last night, and it's funny he was actually pressured, I think. The type of pressure felt different. He was actually pressured on 35% of dropbacks, which is, you know, it's certainly not the highest all season. But I think if you were to, like, blend that statistic with the eye test, it wasn't run-for-your-life pressure coming through the A-gap. Oh, my God, what do I do, yeah. right? It was no. It was a little bit more manageable in that regard. It felt like mild pressure, mild to moderate pressure when there was pressure, not bearing down, curl, curl up in the fetal position. But when he was pressured, he averaged 13.8 yards per attempt. I think he was technically pressured on the 60-yard touchdown to Addison. And that's one of those plays, too, much like the Jefferson throw in Buffalo where, hey, man, it's kind of a 50-50 ball. You just need your – got to trust your receiver to throw it in a spot where checking down does you no good, right? And then the receiver has to make a great play. And Jordan Addison, that probably should have been an interception – it's absolutely a fine time to throw a risky pass with sort of the half running out. And Jordan Addison just makes a freaking play. So good on Kirk for trusting him. Good on Addison for making the play. And and good on the Vikings for taking advantage of a cover zero blitz situation, right? Kirk Kirk said post game, I thought that ball was going to, to be picked. He basically said, I thought that ball was going to end up in the same predicament that the first, that the third pass did. Get this though, from the uh, 49ers beat, writer for ESPN.com. He came up with this stat. According to NFL Next Gen stats, the pressure, the blitz on Cousins that resulted in the Addison 60-yard touchdown was the first seven-man rush in the last 30 seconds of a half in opposing territory since week 11 of 2020. In the NFL? Yes. So they were just aggressively trying to fluster him, kind of knowing that, hey, let's just get the ball out of his hand quick. Let's and, force a check down, and then we'll just run the clock out, right? Yeah, yeah, because they they were trying to avoid a field goal attempt. Yeah, but mm. the, again, that's to Kirk's credit, man. 
Uh, so like that's yes, the throw might not have been great. The play by Jordan was great, but still to get rid of that ball, to deliver that ball, that's a play. So when we criticize Kirk for checking down, that's the type of play on which he will just check down. So, all right, Judd, what, uh, what are you feeling here? You want to, you want to, you want to round it out, bat third, or do you want to bat second here? What's you can make, you can make the call. I got a cousin's hot take that would dovetail off of, of Declan's. Okay, and it's not the same. And I also have a Brian Flores hot take. So I'm, I'm, I'm. Wait, are you are you bringing? Are you trying to bring two hot takes? No, no, no. I was debating. I, I'm going into the show with look. Look, is the, the great, play call in? The, oh, you, you got, the two in the two, got two plays in the huddle. Yes, you're the greats can, have two can, options. Can, 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 can. The greats have two options. And then at the line of scrimmage, with Mike in front of him, it's hot. Play clock's Mike running down here. Play clock's running down. I'm going with the. I'm going with my Kirk one. You like that? Kirk? One, two, three. You like that? Last night, Kirk Cousins signed, sealed, and delivered himself what will almost certainly be his last massive contract. That he will sign in March with the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, wow. Dude. What he did to wow. his buddy, Kyle Shanahan, <laughs> will bring this full circle. Look. Do the Vikings seen... at least, like, no, they won't even get a shot at Purdy, right? Because there won't be a trade. It'll no, just be no, a trade and signing. No, so and Purdy, Purdy, look, I've seen Purdy now. and He's, he's, he's a, a good quarterback. He makes some really nice plays. But when Kyle Shanahan saw the love of his quarterback life, Kirk Cousins, pick him apart last night, do everything that Kyle Shanahan wants. I mean, that was that was the performance that Kyle Shanahan longs for and talks about when it comes to Kirk Cousins. And here's the thing with Kirk. Kirk is going to play out his contract. There's no extension. The extension is not going to come in a week. It's not going to come in two weeks. When the Vikings decided not to sign him in March, which was their prerogative, Kirk Cousins wisely, who is a great businessman, said, okay, cool. Then let's play ball until the end of the season, at which point in time I'm going to explore my options. But when he put together that performance in front of Kyle, and I could almost from the press box see Kyle weeping, weeping in sorrow that he doesn't have him and weeping in joy that, was, that, that, that the quarterback that he has imagined for so long was doing this to him, this will, this will bring the final chapter of the Cousins story to San Francisco, to Santa wow. Clara to be exact. Next season, this is the perfect opportunity, and he put on a masterclass in why Kyle wants Kirk. So many things would have to happen, though, right? Because Purdy, I know Purdy threw a couple interceptions there and – whatever, but Purdy was mostly really good in that game last night. He's mostly been really good since becoming starter last year. He's mobile. He's more mobile than Kirk. He can kind of get out of how many times did Purdy kind of like get out of a guaranteed sack and keep a play alive last night? Yeah, he made some really nice plays. The Niners, despite losing two games in a row, and I know we like to overreact every week in the NFL, the Niners are probably still one of the three favorites to win the Super Bowl. So for your hot take to come to fruition, Vikings would obviously have to fall short in some way that, that makes them want to move on from Kirk or not pay Kirk at the top of the market. And the Niners would have to be eliminated in a way yeah. that Brock Purdy is the scapegoat. And I could see that happening right? now. After seeing Brock last night, uh, he that second half, that late second half, those two Bynum picks were not, not great plays. And... The thing with Kirk is, so I, I disagree a little bit. I don't think that the Vikings would have to decide to 
move on. I think in Kirk's mind, they very well made that decision in March. Sure. That's, this is sure. all sure. Kirk's control now. This is sure. all Team Cousins. So, yes, I, I, I think the Vikings might say, we'd love you back. I think Kirk might say, first of all, I'm going to shop my services. Second of all, I think Kyle might pick up the phone and say, let's make a run it's for time. Lombardi. One it's more time. time. You come home. Come back you to come the Shanahan home. family. Yes. You come home. And then if I got Purdy, I'd love that. But, yes, I don't think that that, I don't think that happens. What about a sign and wow. trade? How about if the Vikings get Brock Purdy in this deal? But, but what's the I, incentive for Kirk Cousins to facilitate that? Yeah, he won't do it. He's not going to help them. Like, what would what reason would – that's the thing. Like, that never happens in the NFL because – in the NBA, it's because of the soft cap. So if if you can if you can trade a guy, right, maybe there's only, like, three teams that have enough hard cap space to get a guy in the NBA, but there's ten teams that would trade for that player and swap matching salaries. So, yeah, Kirk would have to be, like, really generous and it's want to help happen. the Vikings, but – if you saw Kirk last night, there there was one very probably small Kirk thing that I absolutely loved last night, and I had a feeling that it might be on. The Vikings took, a, I think it was in the first half, took a delay of game penalty, and Kirk was pissed, and he spiked the ball, and then he and then you could see him screaming, and I don't, I mean, he might have dropped an f bomb for all I know. Oh my god, it was great. Um, that is that Kirk, which I love to see on the field because it's not flustered Kirk pissed off Kirk and flustered Kirk are very different in my opinion but that's the Kirk that is always at the negotiating table and so I don't think he's going to do the Vikings and and it you know what totally within his purview I don't think he's going to do him any favors yeah well that well okay but we're, you're also like now you're like into March and the Vikings just beat the 49ers and have a soft schedule ahead of them right so, that's what I'm saying like, but Shanahan he, saw he's it. looking to do the Vikings a favor by winning Oh, games I'm, now. I'm saying postseason. I'm saying the reason why I think the Shanahan thing works now is because after the season. Yeah. Okay. He's not. I guarantee you, Kirk wasn't thinking about that in that game last night. But I see where you're going. If the pieces. Oh start no, Kyle to... was. Oh no, Kyle was. Kyle's been thinking about it for five years. Yeah. Yes. Hear. Yeah. Hear me clearly here. Kirk was thinking about actually. With with no expectation on because there was no one thought the Vikings were going to win. Kirk was Kirk wanted to beat San Francisco in that defense. Kyle on the sideline, I could see in his eyes he had the my guy got away feeling his his biggest life regret out there daggering him in front of a national his, audience his on a Manning crush. cast. Yeah, yeah. So right. okay, okay. All right, here's my hottest Vikings you take. Like it's not really about Kirk, but obviously Kirk is a part of this. So despite the Vikings would have to win the rest of their games to equal their record for last season, they would have to run the table mathematically, right? Because they went 13 and four. Mm-hmm. So they would, they're, they're three and four. They would have to run the table and win 10 consecutive games to equal their record from last season. Despite that, I'm already convinced this year's Vikings team is levels better than last year's 13-win Vikings team. I have seen enough through the first seven games. This is a better football team, and it's not close than last year's team. And let me bring you some evidence. First of all, like let's just look at sort of anecdotally the, the schedule. So last year, forget about some of the – like the comeback against the Colts was great, but that's a, that's a bad team. Let's take some of the bad teams off the table, like the Bears and whatever – 
against the best teams on the Vikings schedule last year. They got smoked by the Eagles. They got embarrassed by the Cowboys to the point at home where CBS, Jim Nance, and Tony Romo had to apologize for the game and cut away to like, I don't know, like a Browns game or something. Like, I don't, do we have any other games we can just show people that aren't 40-3 to three right now? And then the one big time, like in terms of beating Super Bowl contenders, they did beat the Buffalo Bills, as mentioned earlier on this this podcast. But they needed a lot of luck to make that happen. I mean, it was great. Like, they kept slinging it. They kept coming back. But they were down by 17, I think it was, in the third quarter, maybe even early fourth quarter of that game. You needed a miracle catch by Justin Jefferson rising up between three defenders. And then you needed Josh Allen to fumble a kneel down, basically. Like, he was trying to just, like, sneak forward, and they, and they fumbled. And if that doesn't happen, you don't win that game, right? This year, against the best teams, like the Super Bowl contenders that they have faced, three of them, I would say, in the first seven games, they just handled the 49ers. No fluke. They just straight up beat the 49ers. They punched them in the mouth. They outgained them by, like, 100 yards. They just beat the 49ers. There, there wasn't like a, oh, Brock Purdy fumbled a, a kneel down, none of that stuff. And then the two other contenders that they faced, you could argue they were two bad turnovers away from beating both the Eagles and the Chiefs. They have not been run out of the building here. They've been right there with those. Now, they've also played down to some teams like the Panthers and the Bears. But in terms of playing up to some of the best teams, better than last year. Scoring defense, four points per game better than last year with Ed Donichel compared to Brian Flores. Yardage defense, last year 29th. This year, 12th yards per play allowed after last night's game. And then net yards per play, which is, I brought that up probably weekly since the second week of the season. Last year, Vikings were 23rd in net yards per play. This year, 6th after week 7. So the, the biggest difference is they've turned the ball over four times to start the game and four times on the goal line as they're walking into the end zone for a touchdown. And it, and I get that, like, yeah, those are things that can't happen. You're shooting yourself in the foot, but those, like, do you weigh those things more than you weigh all this other stuff and the way that they looked for three hours against the Niners? And so this is a better football team than the 13-win team last year, despite the fact that they'd have to run the table and win 10 straight to equal that record. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines, and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. I think the impressive thing about last year's team that this team lacked until last night was the resiliency, though. Like, you're going to make mistakes. The question is, how do you bounce back? Last night, I loved what they did. Um, and, and I do give – I think we didn't talk about that enough. The 13-win team – and I don't disagree with, with your point completely, but the 13-win team did some really impressive, resilient things. And, like, that's sports. Like, what do you do when the situation goes bad? And, yes, they got a break in Buffalo, but they created some breaks too. Uh, but – the one thing that is just, I mean, it probably should be, become a conversation point, especially after what we saw Monday night, is the defense. Um, there's a couple, there, there's some questions here. Like, first of all, what happens if Brian Flores is the D.C. last year? Because I don't think Daniel Jones does you like that. Do you? No. Like, he is, I, 
My second bold statement was this. I think Brian Flores is the most important coach on the coaching staff this season, and that includes O'Connell. Like he, like he has taken a group of, you know, of okay players, but who were misused last year. And I mean, and they're not the greatest group as a whole. Like, like there's some really good players, but they're not this great, unbelievable defense. But I mean, he's got them to 20th in scoring defense, 15th against the run, 17th against the pass, um, around 19th in total D. But the fact is, like, these are the things that we were just asking for, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just get near the middle of that pack. Yeah, I, you know, I would say, uh, like, an analogy that comes to mind is if the, if the Vikings were a boxer. This year, they're regularly ahead on points. You know, like they're they're up, uh, you know, six rounds to two or whatever going into the ninth round. And then they've just like let their guard down at bad times. Yeah. And then the opponent, the opponent is ready to lose the fight. But then like, boom, the Vikings like look away for a second and boom, uppercut. And now the fight swings. And last year, the Vikings were always behind on points, needing a knockout in the ninth round, the tenth round. Hey, the only way you can win this game is if you miraculously come back. Justin Jefferson catches a pass with one hand, right? Like they're 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 ahead on points in the boxing match much more often now, yes. and they just have to find a way to not turn the ball over at the goal line or let the opponent throw a haymaker when they're, you know, waving to the crowd or something. So here's the thing, too, though about last night that it was a huge change to me and, and it sort of speaks to I, I think Phil how both of us think here but so the third pass of the game yes it's not a great play it's not a great pass but Addison not being aggressive enough gets the ball stripped right and so it's a pick and now the and now it looked until McCaffrey fumbled like the 49ers are going to go down and score and it's like here we go again four times now this opening the play at the end of the sec at the end of the first half, which is basically the same exact play, Addison decided, and, and he's quoted about this, he said, I was not going to allow that to happen to me again. Yeah. And so he ripped the ball away and scored a touchdown. Like those are the things that you sort of do control. Like, yes, there's yes, balls bounce oddly, passes are thrown, and they can be completed or picked off, right? But to me, the change of thinking there of bleep this, I'm taking this ball away. Like that's what that's what you want, yeah. That's fun. So yeah. So those are the those are the hottest Vikings takes from us here on this uh, Tuesday after the biggest win of the season. There's just so much more to talk about here. The rest of this episode, we're going to get to a pie chart of praise here from Judd in a second. Um, it just feels like feels like kind of a season changing win. We'll we'll see what they do with this, right? Now you got a short week right. going on the road. Lambo Packers are going to try and bounce back. They've been struggling lately, right? And you don't want to you don't want to spoil this by then having a slip up, especially right before the trade deadline. But like if if there was ever a resounding response from a locker room and a coaching staff to a front office that might be taking some phone calls, I mean these guys aren't idiots, right? They're seeing all the same stuff we are, which is Ian Rapoport, Diana Rossini. Adam Schefter, Jeremy, all these big NFL reporters are saying, ah, the phone lines are ringing. Daniil Hunter, Rick Spielman's out there, the former general manager, saying, boy, this would be great. You could trade Daniil Hunter. You could go into a little, little, uh, little tank mode here. I mean, they hear that stuff. And this was, this was a response from 53 guys in a coaching staff to Quasi in the front office. And I know that Vikings fans might be a little split on this, but, um, but they're probably full steam ahead now. 
So mm-hmm. we'll get we'll, we'll we'll this will be a theme throughout the week on Purple Daily presented by Quick Trip. Judd, let's shout out our friends at Surly. A celebratory cheers before I die lager. We saw a bunch a bunch of people uh, sending us their before I dies before and after the game last night. And guess what? It's back on now, folks. It's back on Surly's before I die the mission which you see right there on a gorgeous day at dex's place by the pool we, we need a fall uh, we need a fall surly at judd's deck i think like, the pool one's mm-hmm. great like this is don't get me wrong it's a great photo yeah autumn background yeah yeah like leaves just blowing in a right. pumpkin perhaps right right be behind it but anyway surly's before i die speaks to a mission that is back on now in fact if the uh if the vikings beat the packers on sunday they're back at 500 and before i die becomes even more of a mission uh before I die, of course, one of several just outstanding beers from our friends at Surly Brewing, including the Furious, the Logic Bomb. I could go down a list. There's specialty brews, everything that you could want. If you love beer, you're going to love Surly. So check them out. Yes. Also, a shout out to our friends over at Three Jack in the North Loop. A great, especially with the weather turning here. If you're still looking to get some golf swings in and also. Uh, just be at a great restaurant bar. Three Jack is the place, Dex. Absolutely, yeah. They got a lot of good things happening at Three Jack. You can book those golf sim bays. You know, sometimes those fall golf. Sometimes fall golf doesn't you know doesn't uh, fit into your plans. Whether the, the weather's bad or the tee time sheet fills up, you need to get your golf swings in, right? And especially once fall golf is over, then we're stuck here not doing anything, not being able to swing a golf club. You at least get those swings in at Three Jack. And in fact, if you're a Purple Daily fan and you mentioned to Three Jack that you heard this ad on at, on Purple Daily. They will give you a free pint with a purchase of any menu item. They got great food options. They have the loaded nachos that Mackie, Judd, and myself absolutely devour every time we go in there. So go to 3Jack. It's in the North Loop. It's one of the best spots. And go check out what's happening, too, at 3Jack.com on their events and happenings page. And uh, our dogs are always very excited. They they aren't really allowed to go in and just eat the menu at 3Jack. Not yet. I don't know. Probably- they don't want it. They want Nutrisource. Oh, amen. That's what they want. Maya Mackey this morning, she slept in a little bit. We thank her for that because uh, old Pop had to be up late. Was up late with Ventline. But uh, there's Stella with her little Nutrisource training treats, too. Oh, and she absolutely loves those. In fact, she goes outside and comes right back in and says, give me one of those Nutrisource training rewards treats. And I'm guessing Vinny has the same outlook on life when he comes back inside. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he he was just all over the place last night. He was just going crazy and nuts. And yeah, I don't know if it was because the Monday night game that was about to happen. I don't know if it was just me and because it was just me and him hanging out. But I was like, hey, how about just a Nutrisource treat? Cool your jets. Let's watch this game. Let's watch Kirko dagger the Niners and shout out to Nutrisource for helping out my dog. Yeah, NutrisourcePetFoods.com to find a Nutrisource retailer somewhere near you. We appreciate them being the uh, the official dog and pet food of Purple Daily here. All right, Chef Judd has been pretty much up all night crafting this pie chart of praise. The Rock knows how you I'm feel checking about out pie. snap counts here as well from last night. This Don't is be looking at PFF grades, grades now. No, 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 no. Snap Don't counts be cheating. Are, snap counts are included to the end of the game sheet um, overnight. Ivan Pace, five snaps. They barely played. Jordan Hicks hmm. played every every snap, and it looks like they played three safeties almost the or the entire game. Yeah. So I wonder what that means. Cause Ivan Pace has been good. There's probably just certain matchups that make more be, sense for him to not be on the field. It could be game related, just well, to that game. 
he's not a great coverage linebacker. He's a, he's yeah. he's a great sort of going forward, run stopping. He's one of the best pressure linebackers, inside linebackers. Yeah. When you're about to face George Kittle and some of the weapons they have and running backs out of the backfield who can catch like passes, that. exactly. It makes sense to to probably stack up your safeties and just put more defensive backs out there. So, exactly. strategically it probably makes sense. All right, we got a pie chart of praise after last night's The Rock win. knows how you feel about pie. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five, seven pieces of pie, seven pieces of pie. There's a lot to be, hey, hey, there's a lot of praise, okay? Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to I feel like you're shorting, here. you're shorting some. I mean, I count 11 I, I guys probably, on offense. I I probably am. I probably am. But these, these seven are the most deserving of some sort of praise. And it's not all players. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's not all players. In fact, I'm going to start with a 5% slice of pie to Kevin O'Connell. Um, wow, I felt the place respectful. I, oh, well, you, you just wait. It was, th- this was difficult because there is some, there are some people that didn't just deserve a pie, but they deserved bigger chunks. But anyway, O'Connell came up with, uh, I thought what was a creative game plan. Uh, yes, Kirk was great and we'll definitely get to Kirk. I, I know it got called back because of the OPI on KJ Osborne, but the Addison pass to Chandler. Oh man. Yes absolutely dial that up again at some point in time or something like it. Um, I thought O'Connell was as on point play calling wise as he's been all season. Yeah. It it felt like everybody raised their game last night. It felt like for the first time, everybody was tired of this start. And and the other thing the 5% includes too is not just last night, but Phil, this goes back to a subject we've talked about for two weeks now, and you brought up a few times yourself, and it's this. And I agree with I agreed and agree with you completely. As troublesome as the 0-3 start was, the locker room, he O'Connell, this was not the Zimmer people are turning on people or or on their coach. Like the I don't think anybody ever questioned, like, does Kevin O'Connell still have this team? That never became a question. And look, in the face of adversity, that's a huge thing. That's yeah. a really big thing. That's a lot of guys to keep on your side or at least keep the majority on your side. And so O'Connell gets a 5% chunk, not just uh, for what he did in play calling and preparation last night, but he also gets a chunk for the, the fact that if your team starts to question you, I don't think you win that game in particular. I agree. He, you could even see it in the locker room after the Bears win that he still has the full attention of this group. They're fully bought in, and this is you know this was always sort of the fine line of we've banned the word tanking on this show. Okay, so we've we we we've always sort of said going back to the slow start. If they keep progressing this way record wise, if they lose to San Francisco, and now you got to make some decisions here. It's about asset management. It's about are you really going to, in a two and five season, are you really going to let some of these guys that are going to be free agents just walk for nothing? You're not going to get draft compensation and load up for 2024. It doesn't make sense, but winning this game is just proof of the culture that they're trying to build, right? Like last year, Hey, we're not supposed to be a 13 win team, but we're going to be really good situationally in the fourth quarter. And culturally, we're going to be better than our record this year. The football gods have dealt them some, some bad cards and thrown some curveballs. Off to a slow start. Maybe it's time to start discussing, not a tank, but, you know, opportunity to sell off some pieces. 
And inside that locker room, led by Kevin O'Connell, they've come back and said, "Uh uh-uh, we're going to push this rock back the other way. We're building a culture kind of like the Steelers. That's what it, it's the early stages of what Mike Tomlin, and of course Mike Tomlin built it on the back of like what two other great Steelers coaches going back, you know, 40 years, Bill. But I think that's, this is what the Wolves want, which is be competitive, fight back, claw your way back from bad starts. And Kevin O'Connell has been great in that role as the head coach this year. Absolutely. So he gets 5%. Okay. Another 5% chunk. And this is, this is a small chunk considering the stats he put up. But again, there's a lot of deserving people. 5% TJ Hawkinson. 11 catches on 12 targets, 86 yards. And I would argue, despite the fact that his statistics, his counting stats are fine, I would argue that he has been a disappointment. And I would argue that until last night, we had not seen anything that even resembled his first game as a Viking in Washington, where he had no practices, but there was an inter- there, there was an instant chemistry with Cousins. Like in that game, there was a bang. Chemistry was there. And it felt like uh, because of what transpired in training camp and Hawkinson not taking part in team drills, it felt like that chemistry was just not there. Like passes were high. Um, Hawkinson could have caught him, but he didn't. It just felt like they weren't in sync. Well, last night, and I think it started to change against the Bears. Like I felt during the Bears game that it was coming back. Last night's the first time that I thought it was back. 11 catches, which led the team. 86 yards he got hurt twice and came back so probably too small a piece but five percent to a guy who who on primetime tv last night looked like he belonged in the pay grade that he currently resides i don't know if you guys noticed this too during the game but san francisco was like openly trying to punch the ball out of tj like they're, they're the book's out that Hawks got a fumbling oh, yeah. problem and there was numerous times where literally san francisco's coming in like with a fist of Donkey Kong trying to punch the ball out of basically Hawkinson's hands and luckily he was able to hold on uh, but there's clearly a book out but I thought last night too it definitely looked more like the 2022 version of TJ Hawkinson yeah it was uh yeah and he's still you know I, th- I still think there's bigger plays to be had with him than just because like, he's averaging like eight yards per uh per catch which is a career low but the first catch of the game if I remember they had him kind of like it was it was like up the seam and he caught it on the run and gained five yards after the catch or six yards after the catch or something. So there's probably some different stuff they could keep doing with him, but it was a good sign for him to be. And it was also just a good sign to not have more than half of the touches and targets in the game be to Alexander Madison. Get yeah. get these other guys in the mix, like mix in Ty Chandler. And they tried to do that too last night. So, okay. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. All right, so now uh, a couple of bigger slices coming up to the defensive side of the football. 15% to Brian Flores. The Vikings set a tone last night against a team that on both sides of the football wants to bully you, and they have before, to this team in particular. They want to bully you. They want to push you around. They want to show you who's boss. They want to dominate you up front and make you shrink. And you know what? Brian Flores' overall game plan last night, and it just continues Again, for what he is working with, I think it continues to be really, really impressive. Um, but this team, when they needed to, did what? They came up with big plays on defense. Cam Bynum with the two picks was absolutely huge. They got some pressure. Um, they, they uh, you know, picked off Purdy twice. They sacked him once. 
Brian Flores deserves, I think, probably more credit. And, and he is getting credit. I'm not saying he's not. But I think Brian Flores deserves even more credit than he is getting. When you consider with a 13-win team where this defense was a year ago and with this team where this defense is now. This defense is giving you opportunities to win. In fact, Phil, part of the reason why to go back to the games are close, right? The losses mm-hmm. are frustrating because they're close is because the defense is giving you a chance. Like mm-hmm. they're telling the offense, go in the red zone and score a bleeping touchdown, right? Yeah. And so so I think we have I think we've appreciated Flores, but my God, the 180 switch from Ed Donishell, who did not maximize anyone last year, to Brian Flores, who's using three safety sets. These are all the things we talked about a year ago in training camp. Like, they're going to use more three safety sets. They're going to do this. Last night, Ivan Pace barely plays, and yet you've gotten really important games and plays from Pace. This is what a coordinator does, Brian Flores. Yeah, you know, Aikman actually brought up a great point early in the game when they were laying out, hey, this is what the chess match is going to be, and they showed the graphic on the ESPN broadcast. The Vikings lead the NFL with a near 60% blitz rate on the season. And the second closest team was at like 37%. So just like a crazy gap between how much the Vikings blitz versus the second blitzing team. And Aikman said, it's not even so much that the blitzes always get home because certainly like a lot of times you get burned or, you know, a good quarterback can dissect it, but it's just that you have to sort of deal with it for three hours. Mm -hmm. It's just... He said it wears on you because it's just every single play as a play caller, as a quarterback. It's like, okay, all right. So they got six guys on the line. Who's coming? Who's going? Offensive linemen are like, okay, where are we sliding? It's like you just have, you're doing extra math on every single play for three hours and one mental slip up and boom, turnover, right? Quick, quick pass that you didn't intend to throw, whatever. So you can, you can see, and that's where it's like, what did we want all offseason? Take the fight. If you're going to give up 27 points, which they did last year anyways, right. at least go down swinging and be aggressive and maybe force a game-changing turnover or a, a big sack on like a second and 10, right, that makes makes it a third and 17. Like, take the fight to somebody. And Brian Flores is, and it's super fun to watch. He's never passive, and I felt like a year ago they were nothing but passive. And part of the problem is I think you could play somewhat passive if you just have great talent. Right? You know, Tampa 2, the old Tampa 2. Well, we got unbelievable talent. Uh, but when you have the, the components that this defense has, and you're like, but my system should work. Yeah. What, what are you talking about? So, yes, Brian Flores, 15% for a season of d- doing a good job. But I felt last night was a, a cherry on top type of game of, okay, this is why this works. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. So we've got uh, 5% to O'Connell, 5% to Hawkinson, 15% to Brian Flores. Another 15% chunk goes to Cam Bynum. He was in the right place at the right time, yes, but he picked off uh, two passes last night. He finished, at least in the game book, with a team leading nine tackles. Uh, Cam Bynum, for a late-round pick, has turned himself into a – or a I, no, I think he was a fourth-round pick. But anyway, he mm-hmm. has turned himself into a – hell of a player and again you know what it proves it proves that playing safety is not just about athletic ability it's also about your smarts your intelligence being in the right place and so what what he did was another reminder of while uh there's no question 
Lewisine, who was again inactive last night, is a disappointment that this team, and this goes back to Rick Spielman, this team has found some really good headsy players at safety, and Brian Flores is doing a good job of using them. Yeah, and remember the first drive of the second half against the Chiefs, and the Vikings had Patrick Mahomes, and it was a close game, and I think it was a tied, but they had the Chiefs in like a third and 18 inside the 15 or the 10-yard line, just ready to maybe punt or change the, the position of the game, right? And the Vikings send, I believe it was a zero, like a zero coverage blitz. They sent like seven guys, maybe, I think it was seven. Mahomes like gets absolutely smoked, just puts up to his fourth wide receiver, just puts up a prayer, underthrows it. Cam Bynum was in position to pick that pass off right at midfield, and he jumped too early. Yeah, He goes up. Oh, yep. he's got it. Oh, no, he jumped too early. <laughs> yep. And then fourth wide receiver guy makes the catch, and the Chiefs go down, score a touchdown, and the Vikings are playing catch up the rest of the game. He had a chance to turn that Chiefs game mm-hmm. by just making a better jump. So for him to come back, stay with it against the 49ers, and uh, not mistime his jump for the game-sealing interception, big-time play. Okay, three slices left here. All Jeff right. Judd. 20% goes to the entire offensive line. Kirk Cousins was not sacked against San Francisco. I'll repeat that. Kirk Cousins was not sacked against the 49ers defense. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, This offensive line, again, let's not sleep on them. Let's not disrespect them. Let's give them their kudos. It's been a long time coming. Uh, I I think that the tush push is a terrible idea for this offense, but I, but, but, but when it comes to straight up blocking, when it comes to the pass protection, when it comes to the run game, this offensive line put together a great game against a pack of bullies. And this is not, you know, this is not some weak defensive line, weak defense that can be pushed around. And the Vikings did what we all expected. Uh Uh-uh. This is a legit defense. And it actually is a defense that I thought, would be a bigger problem for the Vikings than the San Francisco offense, considering Debo was not playing and McCaffrey was playing hurt. And for this offensive line, with uh, Dalton Reisner replacing Ezra Cleveland at left guard to do what they did, I I think when we talk to our buddy Alex Boone on Wednesday, he's going to be hard-pressed to find a lot of bad plays by this line because I think the majority of these plays are going to be positive. I posted on my Twitter or X account, just at Phil Mackey this morning, I posted uh, the all 22 from the side and from the end zone angle of the first offensive play of the game. And it is a masterclass in setting a tone and punching a team in the face right out of the gate. It was a run play. It was a 19-yard run by Alexander Madison made possible by the left side of the offensive line and Josh Oliver. So the Vikings lined up. I'm going to go real football-y football here. Okay? Football. This is the tone they set. Okay? Yep. Yep. They came out. They said, all right. And I think they had a game plan of, because they ran the ball pretty successfully early on, and then they just passed the ball the rest of the game, and, and it worked really well. But I think they came out and said, let's knock them upside the head here and show that we are here in the trenches, Monday Night Football. We're not going to be finessed tonight. We're going to go get them, right? So 12 personnel. One running back, Alexander Madison, two tight ends on the left side of the line of scrimmage. Are yep. you watching the play right now? Yes, yes, yes. Should I just I should bring it up for the audience here real quick. Let me see if sure I can. can. Um, hold on a second. Just give me a second. In fact, yeah, this is- while I do this, why don't you tell the audience about Finch Home Solutions? The audience needs to see this. Oh, 
All right. Well, if, if I talk about my friends at Finch Home Solutions, that starts with my guy, Cody, who's the biggest Vikings fan you're going to meet. I'm sure he is very happy today. But you know what else makes Cody and his team at Finch happy? The ability to come to your house and fix any electrical issues that need to be fixed. I'm talking big or small. I'm talking an outlet that has to be replaced. I'm talking a home that has to be rewired. Finch Home Solutions does it all. They are fast. They are courteous. They will tell you what you need to know. They will not try to sell you things you don't need. That's how Finch works, and that's why they're so successful. And there's also an offer on the table. Speaking of offers, Finch Friends and Family Plan, which includes one free electrical inspection a year, no dispatch fee. You go to the top of the priority list. So if you do call, the dispatcher comes to you first. 10% discount on all work performed in your home, only $9.95 a month. 612-357-2604, 612-357-2604. Or visit their remodeled website, finchhomesolutions.com. Finchhomesolutions.com. And make sure you tell them the guys at Purple Daily sent you. Okay, I I lied in that I don't have it ready, but we will do it on trenches tomorrow. So I'll just explain the play now for the audience, but we'll do a full breakdown. So they start the game. Josh Oliver, TJ Hawkinson, left side. So they have Derisaw, Oliver, Hawkinson on the left side of the line. And uh, a sea of green tech turf opens up between Christian Derisaw and Dalton, uh, Dalton Reisner. Mm-hmm. And Josh Oliver gets sort of the ceiling block on the edge. He gets around a defender and creates this massive opening for what probably should have been more than a 19-yard run which there's a discussion there to be had going forward. But to set the tone like that and punch a team in the mouth and then and then get your passing game going, totally agree. Okay, next slice of pie. All right, so offensive line, 20%. Congratulations. It's been a long time coming. 20% goes to Jordan Addison. Wow. Wow is all I can say. Monday night football, you know, we knew, again, to go back, this was not like some shock. Oh, my God, he can play. Like we knew, there's nothing we've seen from him on the football field that's that leads us to say, or or that led us to to say, boy, I wonder about that draft pick. Like you can now see why Kevin O'Connell was telling Quazy, hang up the damn phone and make the pick because this yeah. kid is legit. Uh, but last night, national television audience, the rest of the league watching, seven receptions, 123 yards, a 60-yard work of art in stripping the ball away from Ward at the end of the first half in a play that no question changed the game in a big way two touchdowns 10 targets uh, he drew a pi late in the game after missing most of the fourth quarter with cramps yeah and he and they took him back to the locker room pumped him full i'm sure of ivs but the fact is this kid had that performance in essentially three and a half quarters so this um, Justin Jefferson's loss is big. Like I'm not going to try and say it's not, it's a big loss. He is the best. In my opinion, he is the best receiver in the entire league. But that being said, uh, Jordan Addison is not a two. He is a one B to Jefferson's one a, and we saw that last night. Um, And, and it's also nice because it does take some time. It's also nice. I think last night solidified Kirk cousins, complete trust in Jordan. Yeah. He, he, by the way, is tied for second in touchdown receptions this year with Stefan Diggs behind only Tyreek Hill. So six touchdown receptions. Tyreek Hill has seven. 
And uh, Addison has half the targets of those guys so far this year. And that leaves one more slice of pie here from the Chef Rock Judd. knows how you feel about pie. And that and that slice, you that like last twenty percent slice will go to that man right there, Kirk Cousins, who had an outstanding game. Kirk Cousins had the type of game last night that was, you know, it's everything that you want from your QB, right? It's it's a dominating performance. He played with an edge that I don't think he always plays with. Mm-hmm. Um, he definitely looked like, you know, there's nothing better than sort of a pissed off spurn Kirk. There's nothing that's better than, you know, he's not, he's not doubting himself. He's not pouting. He throws a pick to start that game and they were fine. And, 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 you know, that's fourth time that they have had a turnover in in their opening drive this season. Three of those, it went for seven points to the opponent. In this case, yes, San Francisco's driving down to score, but they fumble. McCaffrey does. The Vikings recover, I think, at their own 11, and Kirk Cousins takes them right down the field for a score. That was like the – I love that. That's what I – you know, bad things are going to happen. You're not going to get breaks. Some years the ball is going to bounce against you. The question is what do you do in the face of that? Yeah. And I feel like too often, uh, you know, Kirk and the Vikings this year have not turtled, but they haven't really responded the way I want. Last night, that's the response. Offense goofs up. Defense says, screw that, gets the ball back. Offense says, okay, boys, let's go. Like, that's how you win football games. Yeah. And Kirk Cousins last night, 378 yards. Um, just a really, really encouraging performance. And just like overall the last couple of years, he has grown a lot more comfortable in in games and situations that aren't perfectly scripted out. He, he He's very particular. He's talked openly about this. He wants to kind of know what's going to happen. He likes to prepare and sort of visualize. And if it starts to go away from that, you can see how frustrated he gets sometimes. But he's been able to kind of push some of that football anxiety down, it feels like, especially this year. Like think about all the – all the different turnovers and different things. And like, he has kept pushing back just like he did last year uh, in different ways. Like the fourth quarter comebacks, he doesn't have any right this year because they were leading in the fourth quarter. So he does not yet have a fourth quarter comeback, but I think being able to push back against San Francisco after that early interception was, was a good sign. So there you have it. Judd's math checks out for those of you scoring at home. 5% Kevin O'Connell, 5% TJ Hawkinson, 15% Brian Flores, 15% Cam Bynum. 20% 20% O-line, 20% Jordan Addison, 20% to Kirk Cousins. So, Declan, do you have any problems with this pie, Kirk? feel about pie. No, I think that that's a pretty damn good pie. I'm glad he gave Kirk his flowers. Very interesting that uh, yeah. you think that Kyle Shanahan would move on from a better quarterback for a more expensive quarterback. It's a very interesting hot I, take from yours. But uh, Oh, I think I think the love runs deep. I think the love runs deep. I think that... Um, Look, I'm just saying, boy, what I saw last night, Kyle saw it too. And I'm not sure Brock – so I need to see more of Brock. Like, I, I like him, and he is – he looks legit. I mean, he definitely looks like a good player. Um, I need him to see more. I And I need to see him – I need to see playoff Brock. And I need to see an extended view there where, you know, there's no injury, there's no nothing. Keep in mind, you guys, the one thing with Kirk, the one thing you cannot question about this man, he does not get hurt. 
that becomes more of a fallacy the older he gets, though. Like, he's more likely to get hurt now that yeah, he's he going to be 36 years old. But can you can you milk it for another year or two? You could. You could. Can you milk it? I think it's, hey, listen, it is it is hot as Vikings take. So it is, it yeah. Is, it is take. what it is. It is what it is. But it is, it's also week seven. So we'll see. You know, this is the first adversity Brock Purdy has gone through, really, outside of the, you know, the elbow injury. Yeah. So we'll see kind of where the season goes for the Niners. Uh, hey, before we uh, before we wrap this, and we will hit you with a bonus episode later today as well. Let's quick just go around the room, starting with Declan, because when the Vikings when the Vikings lose, we give you silver linings to balance it out. When they win, we give you nitpicks. So give me a nitpick from last night. Uh, KJ Osborne, can we can we? Uh, I'll steal this line from Judd. Can we stop trying to make KJ Osborne happen? Like it, the the feeding and constant targeting of KJ Osborne to me is pretty baffling. I think the uh, I know he threw to Madison on that goal line play, but Jordan Addison is wide open in the flat on that third and one, right on the right on the one. And for whatever reason, Kirk throws a a weird. That was the only like nitpicky throw I really had with Kirk yesterday. If he throws that ball to Addison, who's been balling all out and wide open in the flat, I think that game changes completely. Uh, but let's let's start putting the ball in the playmakers' hands. Let's get it to Addison. Get it to T.J. Hawkinson. Obviously, when Justin Jefferson gets back, this is even going to be a more fun, complicated problem to have in this offense. But let's stop. Let's stop making K.J. Osborne happen. Let's. He's a fine number three, even four wide receiver. We don't have to treat him like he's something else. You guys are both very anti-K.J. Osborne. I feel like. Both I'm not. There's just better options. I mean, you're anti-K.J. Osborne. You've been. You've been. No, no, no. He's a great guy. He saved a person's life. I am. No, I am not. He can block. He does a lot of little things well, but there are better options than KJ. And and look, you know, Brandon Powell. I love me some Brandon Powell. Last night, you guys. Mm -hmm. He impressed me. I liked him in training camp. He sort of disappeared a little bit. But slippery. uh, He's slippery. I'm not sure. You know. You know what? He might be a better fit for what they want to do than KJ is in some. Yes, because he, dude, because he can. I mean, the fact that he can take a handoff on a jet sweep just adds another layer to your offense, right? He's it's worked well. I'm telling you, he's what they thought they were getting when, when they acquired Jalen Rager from the Eagles last year Yes, and tried to use him, and then he would screw up things. I don't think Brandon Powell runs the wrong route. Yeah, I agree. He's he's a responsible adult wide receiver who's who who can be used in some sort of uh, like scat back ways, right? So I would say my nitpick... My nitpick is more of why didn't we see more of this creativity earlier in the season with with Kevin O'Connell's play calling and the mix of weapons? And maybe it just takes Justin Jefferson being out for a couple weeks before you start to look at your portfolio of weapons here. But I love the fact, dude, you've got a guy in your roster in Ty Chandler. I know that he's not trustworthy as an every down bell cow back. You're not going to put him out there in like pass protection situations all night long. But the guy ran a 4-3, 40-yard dash in the combine two years ago. He yep. is one of your most explosive players. And he touched the ball twice last night. Once they called back on that double pass because the way that it played out, um, K.J. Osborne was engaged with a defender as he was running a route, and they called it back. But like that, and then Ty Chandler also caught a pass for 12 yards later in the game. He was explosive, man. Like He deserves a small handful of touches minimum every single game. And then finally Cam Akers took over the lion's share of the runs. Now Madison actually had more yards per carry last night, but if you include the two catches that Cam Akers had for 30 yards, uh, he had more yards per touch last night. 
than Alex Madison. So I think that's, I'm not saying bench Alexander Madison, but he doesn't need to be your bell cow. Just committee him. Yep. And they did last night. They committed him last night. It was great. Nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. All right. Mine is this. Um, I I don't know how much play this got on the ESPN telecast. And look, the defense played well. Brian Flores, great night. But this one, this one was disturbing. Around the two-minute warning of the first half, the Vikings, Brock Purdy didn't get the ball snapped. And I'm not quite sure why. The Vikings had eight defenders on the field. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. Against San Francisco. <laughs> and uh, Josh Patelis looked like he was trying to maybe ask if he should call a timeout. But, you know, players, I, I will say on the defensive side, guys can be reluctant to call timeouts because they do get screamed at. Uh, but nonetheless, they had eight players on the field. Fortunately, Brock Purdy didn't get the playoffs, so it ultimately didn't matter. But it was as if they forgot the defensive linemen or what they wanted to have in that place. Very odd. That's yeah, a think about that. Like, it's a nitpick, but the fact that that's a nitpick after this game shows you there wasn't a yeah. whole lot to nitpick, right? It's kind of great. And my nitpick was more about, like, the previous games. Why didn't you do this earlier? It wasn't really a nitpick. The last I time. had that written down. and Oh, Greg the, Joseph, uh, dude. Let's... And the red zone. Oh, you know what? Greg Joseph's a good one. Yeah, That's you know what? That's our that needs to be addressed. oversight he, by us. He has the worst uh, point after touchdown percentage since the beginning of last year. And last year, he had the worst 50-yard field goal percentage. He's been good on those. But then last night, he misses a game sealer from, was it 50 yards? And uh, it's funny because the 54-yarder that he made would have put the Vikings up by nine and two scores and iced the game if he hadn't missed the PAT earlier. So. Uh, I don't know. The only person that doesn't remain nervous when he goes out to kick is probably Declan at this point. Not a great game should, for him. Should the Vikings have gone for that fourth and six if they were going to try try the field goal, Phil? Uh, the math, according to ESPN stats and information on the broadcast, said that the positive EV play is to go for it there, but they decide not. And okay. same for... Did they kick a field goal on like the two or yeah, three that, yard line? That, that's what I'm that, talking that about. That was another one too. With Addison, that was wide okay. open in the flat. Like you just, I would go in. I know that third, that was third and one, but I would have still went for it to win that situation. You, you got to get six there, especially against the Niners. Can't really pass up points Agreed against completely. the Niners. Yeah. That's, yep, exactly. So, right. It worked out nevertheless. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thank you guys for uh, hanging out with us on this day after Vikings game live stream Purple Daily podcast. Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. And it's back on. It's back on.